Should physicians obtain an MBA? What doors do MBAs open for physicians? What types of physicians should not pursue an MBA? Learn the answers to these questions and many more on this episode of the Talk To Me Doc podcast. Welcome to the Talk To Me Doc podcast, where it's all about serving the early career physician. Let's talk about the unique issues that face us so we can create a better future for ourselves and those to come. And now your host, Dr. Andrew Tisser. Hey, everybody, it's Andrew, and welcome to the Talk To Me Doc podcast. I'm so happy you're here. For my returning listeners, thank you so much. For my new listeners, welcome. Because today, like on every episode, I'm bringing you the best guests from all around healthcare and beyond to discuss issues relating to the early career physician. Today, we have Dr. Sam Kessel on the show. Sam is passionate about the intersection of medicine, technology, and business. He is a life sciences consultant at LEK Consulting, advising companies on a variety of strategic decisions from research and development, due diligence, and international strategy. He completed his MD and MBA at the University of Virginia and interned year in internal medicine at UT Austin. He served as an associate for multiple angel networks performing due diligence on medical startups part-time during medical training. Well, let's get Sam up on the show. Dr. Sam Kessel, welcome to the Talk To Me Doc podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on here. So uh, I've already recorded a little bit about you, but uh, for the listeners, can you tell us kind of who you are and what you do? Yeah. So I originally did my undergraduate in biomedical engineering, Um, took a marketing class at the very end while I was applying to medical school. Um, and it ended up being a huge influence on me and that Professor Jack Derby is someone I still stay in touch with. Um, I then went to medical school, did my MD and MBA combined. Um, I did practice medicine um, in internal medicine for a year, did my intern year at UT Austin, and then I made the transition to management consulting. I'm at LEK Consulting in the life sciences practice, so I do a broad array of strategy work with biotech companies and other uh, healthcare services companies as well. That's very cool. So, uh, I guess getting started here, like what, you know, you took your marketing class that was interesting to you, but what made you take the leap into actually getting your MBA? Yeah. So the marketing class was a hands-on project taught by Jack Derby, who's just a very dynamic and charming professor who just made the topic extremely interesting and practical. So, we got our hands on. It was a marketing project for a photo booth company, and I just really enjoyed it. I liked that it was dynamic, that there was no correct answer, that we had to come up with a new solution to help solve the problem. And I it just found it really captivating. Even though it was an afternoon class and I was usually pretty tired, it was something that I found really interesting. And it was around that time that I started exploring um, reading The Economist more and watching shows like Shark Tank that made me interested in entrepreneurship. So it was one of those things where it was just it, it was the spark to a, what eventually became a fire. And it was something that I found really captivating. And it helped me when I started medical school decide, hey, I want to get involved with entrepreneurship. And so my first year of medical school, I got a group together and we did something called the E-Cup, which is entrepreneurship competition. And we developed an app. And the idea was simple to help patients understand the cost of their medications in the doctor's office, as opposed to going to the pharmacy and getting surprised with a bill, which was the story of actually one of my fellow medical students who had uh, went to the doctor, went to the pharmacy, got eye drops, and they cost $200. And he had to play phone tag with them, go back and forth, and he was able to get an alternate prescription for 20 bucks. So that was the 
idea behind it. And we had to talk to a bunch of different patients, physicians, and understand the problem well, come up with a simple concept for it. But again, it was another another spark saying, hey, I'm really interested in the business world. And we ended up winning a small like $1,000 competition for it, split four ways. Um, but it was the idea that I really enjoyed the dynamic nature of the business world as something where you're coming up with new solutions to things, coming up with creative strategies to approach problems. And it was something that I could see that could help a lot of people at scale. So that wasn't my plan going in to, to end up in management consulting, but it's something that that was another spark that made me think, okay, let me go get my MBA. This is something this is going to be really interesting. So marketing classes, when I first started thinking about getting the MBA in addition, the Entrepreneurship Cup helped confirm that decision a little bit more. And then I did some healthcare value-based research as well um, during my second and third year of medical school. So it was more... It was more and more data supporting the idea that, hey, the business side of medicine, the value-based side of medicine, the innovation side of medicine was interesting to me. And I felt that the MBA would be a good gateway to get there. Yeah, it's really interesting. I think um, the best laid plans, right? But you never know what will kind of change the course of your life and your career. Um, And and, I mean, 250 bucks when you're a medical student is not chump change, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's... That means That's a, a lot. lot of ramen noodles. <laughs> you got that right, man. You got that right. So, you know, I think I see a lot of um, people online, doctors, uh, my clients and others that mm-hmm. are really, um, you know, disillusioned with the current practice of medicine, burnt mm-hmm. out, whatever you want to call it. And sure. a lot of them are like, well, should I get an MBA? Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, my first question to them is, maybe, you know, what, what, but what are you going to do with it? And so, mm-hmm. you know, we see this a lot and a lot of docs enroll in these programs and just think that this will be their escape. So, you know, what do you say to people that are like, I'm going to get an MBA because I hate clinical medicine? Um, Do your research first. So I think an MBA opens a huge number of doors, and I think that's what pulls a lot of people into it. I've met plenty of, you know, MD MBAs or people who who have their medical degree, and they're like, I'm going to just go get my MBA now, just tack it on, just an extra $250,000 of debt, and you did a whole episode on that. Um, And it's an investment. It's something that you have to carefully consider. You have to weigh the options. Are there other ways you can go about your career that don't require an MBA? An MBA isn't a prerequisite for many things, but it can be very helpful. It gives you some credentials. It gives you some credibility when you're trying to enter the business world. It it gives you some knowledge, but you can sometimes find a lot of that knowledge elsewhere. Um, But really, it's getting that interface with people who are experts in the field and getting that that connection with whether it's other physicians who are getting their MBAs, people from the military who are getting their MBAs, you're getting that exposure to people from different backgrounds and perspectives that help you think differently. Um, so I would say do your research and figure out what are the doors that you want the MBA to open for you, not just be like, I'm dissatisfied. I'm going to drop $250,000 on this expensive degree. Think about, am I interested in an investing type career? Am I interested in consulting? Am I interested in you know, administration and being a CEO of a hospital someday? What are the types of options that are intriguing to you that the MBA will make available? If you're interested in just private practice, or, or doing locum tenens or doing something like that, you don't necessarily need your MBA. Um, so I'd say make sure you get those data points, kind of like I mentioned in my story, that can be very helpful to understand whether it's 
actually the right decision for you. Maybe the right decision is you you should go do artwork or something else. Um, so making sure you assess the landscape of options that are available to you, whether it's um, management consulting, investment banking, um, whether it's an operational role in a pharma company or digital health, any of those options. If you're considering something like that and you think that the MBA will really be helpful for you, then yeah, you can do that. But often there are ways you can do things part-time that help you learn what you're interested in. So there's like, I don't know if you've heard of MDisrupt, um, but they, yeah. they have a platform connecting physicians to startups. So something like that might be interesting for someone who's considering their MBA just to get some experience working with the startup and figure out whether there's a specific area on the business side of medicine that they find interesting. Yeah, I think that's great. You know, I, I, for some reason, doctors just like collecting degrees um, for <laughs> whatever reason. I don't know if it's because of the type A personality or whatever it is. But, um, you know, just having a couple more letters after your name isn't necessarily going to get you where you need to go. But I like I like the do your research. You know, it's it's uh, we're scientists, right? So create hypotheses and test them um, when you're Absolutely. trying to figure out where you're going to go. And, you know, I would say that there's a lot of ways to learn about business without going and committing yourself to that big tuition, right? If you, if you just want to learn about business, there's plenty of ways to do that without getting another degree, right? Absolutely. There's Coursera, there's any given number of textbooks available. There's a lot of free course content out there. So if you're just interested in learning the, the basic coursework that you'll learn in your MBA, I know it's hard with you know a busy attending schedule or even a residency schedule, but if you just love reading the wall street journal and you, want to learn more, do some Coursera courses. I think that's a great way to figure out whether you find business and the ideas in it interesting. And what really trying to figure out before you do your MBA, why are you doing it? If you say, hey, I'm interested in either, you know, going into administration or I'm interested in an investing type of role and the MBA is going to help me get there faster then I think that makes a huge amount of sense. If you're just interested in learning about business, like you said, I think there's plenty of free content available that you can find that would help you learn the things that you're interested in. Yeah, that's a really good point. And for, you know, the budding administrators out there, I think, it, you know, there there certainly is a certain ceiling, I believe, without the MBA, right? Do you need an MBA to be chief medical officer of a hospital. No, but mm -hmm. if it's you versus the other guy and they have one, do they get a little edge? I think that's probably true. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so I think, it, you know, if that's in your future, you know, if, like for myself, I'm, I'm, I work in administration and at some point I will reach the, the a level where I, I really should get the MBA to progress. Um, that makes sense. But that, but that again, that is the door I want open. So that, that would be the key. Right. Um, so who do you think, uh, who do you think should get go for their MBA versus who should not? I know we kind of touched on this a little bit, mm -hmm. but you know what kind of person um, should be looking at these degrees and what kind of person really shouldn't? Okay, so we can do the one that you shouldn't first. So you shouldn't sign up for a giant load of debt if you don't know what you want to do with it first. So we, we kind of touched on that a little bit, but really saying to yourself, what doors do I want to open if I don't have any that are specific and I'm just burnt out and I want to do something else, I don't think the MBA is a great choice. I, I think that it's just a, a recipe for debt. And not to say you couldn't do something interesting with it, but if you're going into it explicitly, just I'm burnt out, I want to do something else, it might not necessarily answer the questions that you want it to answer. I think someone who 
who wants to make a career transition of any type, whether it's to shift out of clinical practice and into a non-clinical career like consulting that requires or really benefits from an MBA, I think that makes sense. I think if you're interested in going into an operating role at a company and you want to be leading people and leading teams, I think that makes sense. If you're interested in finance, I think it, it could certainly make sense there. Um, you don't need it if you want to do private practice. Um, you know, I know some people who do it for that reason. It, it's learning how a multinational company finances its debt round will not help you manage your um, independent practice. It, it's definitely not necessary for that type of thing. Um, but I'd say making sure you have a hypothesis and knowing that there are specific doors that you want open, like like for your example, you have a ceiling that you want to go over that you wouldn't be able to otherwise, that there's a door you want open that would not be otherwise, or it would be much faster. Um, I think those would be people who should choose the MBA. If people who are passionate about business and innovation, I think certainly uh, should consider the MBA. Yeah, I think that's all very fair. I mean, we keep coming back to the same theme, right? Don't go and take on this debt and, and sign yourself up for, you know, challenging courses, time-consuming courses over mm -hmm. a number of years usually um, if you're just an undifferentiated doc who's unhappy, right? Um, Absolutely. Use it, use it to answer a question or to open a door. So, um, yeah, I like that a lot. So, I mean, we talked about kind of what you do and some of the mm -hmm. other options, but uh, what are some of those doors? Could you give us a little bit more about what, doors do you think MBAs help open? Um, and mm -hmm. is it a function of the networking you get at your school or a combination of both? And, and how does that work? Sure. So I would put, you know, the MD, MBA type of people into several different buckets. So if you're a clinician, I would say it opens the door to higher levels of administration type of roles. It could give you credibility if you want to do consulting for a medical device company on the side stuff like that. So if you're you're doing something more like what you're doing, where you're maintaining your clinical practice and you're engaging in different types of part-time activities, I think it can certainly bolster um, the value that you can add there. Um, when it comes to non-clinical opportunities, there's a few. So I would say there's operating type roles, there's consulting roles, there's investing roles. Um, and I would also, or just broader finance in that last bucket. So when you're looking at operating roles, that could be looking at an EMR company. So like an Epic or anything in healthcare, IT, digital health, pharma, um, biotech. Those are a huge number of categories. Operating roles are hugely broad in what you can do. It can be everything from being a medical director at a company like Roman, for example, which um, does, you know, works with men's health and is more on the consumer side. It could be everything from that to working with a digital health company that's trying to do a prescription therapeutic. Think about paratherapeutics as just an example. So operating roles are probably the biggest bucket I'm, I'm describing here. It can, it can be a huge, huge bucket there. Um, the next one is consulting. So consulting is, is really nebulous term for most people. Um, when I'm talking about consulting, I'm really thinking about management consulting. So going full-time to a company kind of like mine at LEK, thinking about uh, BCG or McKinsey or Bain, those types of companies where you're full-time working with clients, helping them solve strategic problems. Uh, even Deloitte and Accenture are good examples here. And you work with all kinds of different clients from different backgrounds, whether it's healthcare services and helping um, a hospital grow or a, a physician practice grow to helping you know, a very large pharmaceutical company launch a new drug. 
So it, it's hugely variable in what you do. It's very exciting and challenging. And it, it's basically a residency in business. And that's what drew me to it. And, and we can talk more about my path later. Um, so I would put consulting in its own bucket. And then I would put finance and investing in its own bucket as well. So that could mean something like investment banking, where you're helping finance companies, where you're helping launch debt rounds or in initial public offering where a stock goes public. One recent example that your viewers, your listeners might be familiar with is Doximity, which recently had its IPO. They had to have an investment bank help put together that offering and launch the, launch the shares on the public market. Um, and then there's venture capital, which I think a lot of the younger med students that I talk to are very interested in. So there's venture capital and private equity and hedge funds. So those are all investing type roles where you're looking at a company, whether it's private, um, in the case of private equity, or it's public, so you're looking at a stock and trying to understand whether it's worth investing in or not. Yeah, that's great. I mean, uh, yeah, I think it's it's somewhat confusing to people when they say like, "Oh, I could be a consultant," and you're like, "Well, what does that mean?" You know, like, absolutely. Yeah, I think the big consulting companies from you know private work or whatever that could that's a big uh, big catch catchment phrase. So, um, no, thanks for for. Uh, we're talking about that. And then I guess getting into a little bit of the nitty gritty, you know, for those who didn't do their MBA along their school paths, you know, how mm -hmm. do they, you know, you've got a wide variety of uh, really like local part-time programs that are internet based. And then mm -hmm. you've got the big massive business schools that are well known, you know, how much does notoriety of your school and where you get your MBA factor into this? I think the notoriety of the business schools going to a top business school can be really helpful for the folks who are interested in um, going into a management role at a big pharma company. If they're interested in, you know, going to a full-time management consulting position, if they're interested in investment banking, I think for that, it could be really helpful. Um, I think the part-time MBA is going to be more focused on getting the skills that you would learn. Um, probably they're pretty similar um, at any MBA program, but it gives you the skill, core skills that you want are, are more helpful for making um, smaller transitions. So if you want to like change careers, you want to be a consultant at LEK or BCG or wherever, probably really useful. If you want to be an investment banker at Goldman Sachs, probably pretty useful. If you want to be a venture capitalist at like a Sequoia or something going to a top ranked um, MBA program is really important because brand matters a lot for those types of roles, but it doesn't matter for everything. So if you're interested in um, taking an admin role at your hospital or at another hospital, I think doing your own local MBA could be quite useful. Sure. Yeah. I think it's probably one of those things where it really depends and sometimes it matters, sometimes it doesn't. So yep. um, yeah, that's very helpful. Um, well, so I, let's talk about your path a little bit more. So you, um, you got, you got your degree, you, you moved on to this uh, consulting role. So how did you get interested in this specific role? And maybe you know, for the listeners that have no idea what you're talking about, what does it really involve? Yeah. So my path was a little bit, uh, topsy turvy a little bit. So I finished school and I started intern year and I was pretty much brought in to the front lines of the pandemic. I started my residency in July, 2020 and day three of being on the wards, our first COVID patient hit in Austin, Texas. So handling a lot of extremely stressful um, moments. So I already had my MBA um, under me. I had already been familiar with consulting. It was in the back of my brain a little bit, uh, but it wasn't something I was actively pursuing. I was planning on you know, completing residency. I was even considering a fellowship initially, um, but burnout hit me 
like a truck. It hit me really hard. It was a very difficult time, and we were taking care of extremely sick patients on a regular basis in Austin. Um, I don't know if you heard about the the winter storm in Texas that happened. Yeah. It's like February of 2021. Um, it was nightmare. It was a nightmare in that like it shut down our EMR. I never realized how grateful I was to work on an EMR until it was gone and we had to write prescriptions by hand. So <laughs> I had a lot of respect for the more experienced docs who had done that previously because it was definitely an eye-opener realizing how big of a deal it is to just, oh, wow, my lab values auto-populate and I don't have to go to a nurse and read a slip of paper by hand that they have to find. Um, but yeah, I dealt with plenty of extremely stressful situations and that made me reevaluate my pathway. I was like, I was always interested in the business side. I obviously had my MBA already, um, but it made me reconsider, okay, is this something that I want to do now uh, full-time or is it something I want to do later part-time? And, and it turned out the answer for me was I want to do this now full-time. Um, in terms of how I made my decision, um, I probably talked to 30 different physicians in the business world and I cannot tell you how grateful I am for all of them, like whether they were in venture capital or they were already in consulting or they were in pharma type roles. I just, I had LinkedIn, I pinged them, introduced myself, said, I'm interested in your career path. Can you tell me a little bit more about it? And I was floored at the number of people um, that would respond to those messages because it seems like the expat medical community is really tight-knit and supportive. Um, so any given physician, myself included, if you reach out to them and you say, hey, I'm a physician or I'm in medical school and I'm interested in your career path, more often than not, we're willing to pay it forward. I mean, I had a whole identity crisis around <laughs> around making the career change. It's a huge, huge part of it. And I don't know if you felt that way at all ever yourself, but having this idea like I've invested so much time and energy and becoming a doctor, telling people I'm a doctor. My parents are proud I'm a doctor. My friends are, are proud of me being a doctor, but it, I, I realize it's not for me anymore. So making that whole transition was extremely difficult. Um, you had multiple parts of your question, so I want to make sure I hit them all. <laughs> yeah, well, I just want to take a minute. So, I mean, I think what Sam did here is, is what I recommend everyone doing, right? If you If you have an idea about what you want to do, Talk to people that are doing it. And I, I found across mm -hmm. many industries that everyone is willing to have a conversation as long as you're not looking for something, right? You're not you're not trying to have them get you a job. You're just are doing inter informational interviews. And people are usually very willing to do that. And mm -hmm. to your second point about identity, I think that's, you know, that's really powerful. And it really it bothers people, you know, that they feel like they're losing a piece of their identity when in fact they're really just adding to it, right? Like you'll always be a doctor. You're just a doctor who doesn't use their medical degree to see patients, right? So um, I think mm -hmm. that that is not a, a no easy feat to deal with. But uh, the second part of my question was um, kind of what do you actually do? Like what, what yeah. is, you know, what does your day look like and, and kind of what, what does that involve? Yeah. So let me give a little context to your listeners that I went from the ICU at the end of my intern year to approximately 30 days later, leading an international team, help develop and launch a cell therapy. Um, so I, I transitioned into a management role, which was the appeal of LEK. I, um, I had my training week and then I had two weeks of transition um, and then I was in charge of a team. That's relatively unusual for us. More often than not, you have a longer training period, but just because of um, the unique aspect of that case, they just pulled me on to a management role in that case. So we were working with a cell therapy company that was developing an asset that was in phase one and we were trying to help them figure out which cancers should they treat with this 
new cell therapy based on the limited science that they had, based on the rolling results of their phase one that they were looking at. Um, so we worked very closely with their chief medical officer. We were meeting with her once a week and we were looking at some of the data. We were doing research, um, kind of similar if you were writing a research paper, if you've ever done that. So we had to look into all different scientific types of articles. We had to look into clinical research. We had to look and had to speak with dozens of physicians and ask them about what the standard of care was, what the gaps were, what the unmet needs are for those patients. Um, and we had to synthesize it together. So it's lots of PowerPoint and Excel. It's lots of phone calls. I guess it would be an oversimplification of what I do on a day to day, but I'm managing the team. I'm helping drive the analytics. I'm helping quote unquote, crack the case and figure out what the biggest problems are and how we approach them um, and come up with an answer for the client. So it's really cool. And it's a, it's similar to medicine in that you have to be able to transition teams quickly and easily. So I will often do a case for anywhere between three and 10 weeks. And then I'm on to a whole new team, a new set of team members um, who are, are reporting to me and then I, a new manager as well. So it's always being able to dynamically handle uh, switching of teams, which I think a lot of physicians have to do pretty regularly. Yeah, that's really awesome. That's super interesting. And I think that that really helps kind of show us one path that you could take uh, if you decide to go down this route. But uh, Sam, we're, we're running out of time here. So I just want to transition the show a little bit. Sure. Um, what uh, what do you like to do for fun? Um, I started salsa dancing in medical school, believe it or not, because I was at University of Virginia and they had a university um, salsa club. So that's something that I've really enjoyed doing. Haven't done as much since the pandemic started, but I'm trying to get back into that. And it's been a lot of fun. Um, I also started doing triathlons in medical school as well. I have eclectic interests. Um, I haven't done one of those in a little bit, but um, anything involving um, athletics is fun for me. Well, I will say in the 109 episodes we've had thus far, no one has said salsa dancing. So All right. uh, you, you get that. You get that one. That's, that, <laughs> is, that is a different interest, but I love it. Um, do you have a book recommendation for the listeners? I have three. So one of them is Essentialism by Greg McKeon, um, which is about the idea is simple. Um, how can you boil down your life to just the most essential parts? Can you cut out something that you said yes to that you may not truly want to be doing? How do you cut those things out and how do you say no to things? Um, it's a simple idea, but it's really hard to implement. I think it's a fantastic book. That was actually recommended to me by a physician. Um, another one is Atomic Habits, which is all about um, how do you incorporate new activities into your life? And that's more of a practical hands-on book. And then the last one, which I'm guessing your listeners have never heard of, is called Power um, by Jeffrey Pfeffer, which is all about how do you navigate relationships? How do you position yourself in a way to succeed um, that's beyond just doing the work that's in front of you, making sure that you know that having the right relationships, having the right mentors and support systems can help you succeed in your career. Okay, I will check out Power and Essentialism, Atomic Habits, uh been recommended many times and that is a great book um but now i had added two more to my never-ending list <laughs> um, so sam you've given us a lot of uh, advice on this show thus far but if you could uh, distill your advice to the early career physician down to one single piece of advice what would that be i'd focus on designing your career 
So focus on trying things, failing at things. It is okay to fail. Um, often in medicine, we are perfectionists. So knowing that it's okay to try something and to fail at it, knowing that it's okay to try something and not like it and take a, a really explorer's lens when you're thinking about your next step in your career, if you're thinking about making a transition and trying lots of things along the way. Music to my ears, design your career. I love it. Um, so Sam, if people want to connect with you or learn a little bit more about what you do, where can they find you? Yeah, they can find me on LinkedIn. It's just Sam Kessel. I have MD MBA at the end of my name. Um, or they can email me on Gmail. It's S K E S S E L one, two, three at gmail.com. Um, and you can provide a link for them and more than happy to, to chat with any physicians who are considering their, uh, career path. Great. I'll put the links in the show notes for the listeners. Sam, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking to us about MBAs and your consulting work and and all the great advice you've given us thus far. I really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. All right, Sam. Till next time. What a great episode with Dr. Sam Kessel. It was so interesting to learn about his journey uh, from really just early residency going into his consulting role and how he uses his MBA. I really also appreciated the discussion about what types of physicians should and should not get their MBAs, which really is an important topic to discuss. That's all I have for today, but thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate each and every one of you. If you enjoyed the show, please leave me an honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps to get the show out there. The other thing I'd like you to do after listening is take some time for yourself this week. I'm not asking you to do anything at all, except maybe spend an hour or two to take some time to think about and do things that really light you up and and make yourself happy because we really don't do enough of that as physicians. So do that, take some time for yourself. And until next time, everybody, keep talking. All opinions expressed by the guest in this episode are solely the guest opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Andrew Tissardio, TalkToMe.LC, or any affiliates thereof. The guest opinions are based upon information he or she considers reliable, but Andrew Tissardio, TalkToMe.LC, nor any affiliates thereof warrant its completeness or accuracy. The guest, Andrew Tissardio, TalkToMe.LC, or any affiliates thereof are not under any obligation to update or correct any information provided in this episode. The guest statements and opinions are subject to change without notice.